You're listening to Hawks Insiders, the home of all things brown and gold on the internet. Subscribe to our Substack for more Hawks coverage. Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome to the first of our match review pods for season 2023 on Hawks Insiders. And it is one that even though a lot of you will probably listen to this on your commute to work. Might need to be consumed with some liquor, preferably the harder, the better, because it wasn't a particularly great day at the footy. All that anticipation and excitement and you know, certainly reflected in the numbers, 68,000 fans at the MCG, and they got an absolute stinker from the Hawthorne Football Club, losing uh, to Essen 19-10-124 to 9-11-65. To dissect such a loss, only the big dogs are allowed in this one, so I welcome my co-host, Andrew Weiss. Hello. G'day, Ash. Uh, yeah, a, a little bit somber. It, it was a disappointing performance, and especially, I think, uh, at quarter time, weren't we all up and about and talking about the brand and how exciting it was, and um, it was looking really, really good and, and then fell in a piece from there, but... I think if we're realistic about things, it's round one in 2023 and as disappointing as it was, especially against Essendon, uh, as we unpack tonight, uh, obviously we'll we'll get through some of the positives. And like we said through last season, if we can accumulate those positives throughout the year, we'll be okay. And Darren Levine? Hi, you had a good day. Had a great day. My, well, my daughter had a great day. She's yeah. part of the Guard of Honor, thanks to um friend of the pod, Richard Michaels, my cousin, giving him a shout out because um I, I never seem to unlock those sorts of experiences. So thanks, Rich, if you're listening. And um, yeah, Ava had an incredible day um despite the loss. So that's the positive for me. Was she allowed in the rooms? She wasn't allowed in the rooms, but um she got to to be in the race and then um, on the ground, giving all the players a high five as they went out. So highlight of her day and this, um, then the siren went and, and then things just got worse. It could have been home by quarter time. All right, let's get into it. You know the drill. Same as last year, we're going to go through every player uh, and you guys are going to give them a rating, um, which is going to be most anticipated. We, we did put the shout out on social media uh, after the game as to how many players should get a positive rating and there were maybe five or six different players were mentioned. So I'm looking forward to seeing whether you've even found that many between you. We start with uh, John Newcomb, number three for the Hawks. He had 19 disposals, eight kicks, 11 handballs, three marks, three tackles, did not score. Disposal efficiency, 58%. Start with you, Weezy. Yeah, look, I think uh, this will be similar to many other players that we get to today. A quarter time, he was on fire. I think he had nine possessions in the first quarter. Um, so he's finished up with 19, which is probably a reflection of uh, the rest of the team. Um, he was pretty much ineffective for most of the match. and Yeah, not you know, in the first quarter. Nine in the first quarter. So he's had 10 for the following three quarters. Um, we know we know what we're, what's going to happen this year and teams are going to put work into him as our primary midfielder. So he's going to have days like this. Um, I've given him a four out of 10 and that is solely based on that first quarter, which he was fantastic as part of a, a whole group of kids that were, but definitely doesn't get a pass mark for me today. Good to see you marking them harshly already because he was on play with some thought. Might get the positive score. Uh, Daz, over to you for Jarman Impey, 18 disposals, 12 kicks, 6 handballs, 7 marks, 2 tackles, did not score also. 75% defensive half. 100% disposal efficiency for Jars, um, which is interesting. Uh, 4 contested possessions. Um, 11 pressure acts, 294 metres gained. What did you make of Jars? I thought Jars had a pretty good game. Um, might get slated for that, but you, you can't argue with those stats. He was an important link in the chain coming out of the back line for us. One of the few players that tried hard all day. Um, it, it, it felt at times like like the old Jars, and I felt very uh, comfortable when the, when the ball was in his hands. So 
Um, I think for me, Giles is one of the few players to get a pass mark and I'm going to give him give him a six. Um, he wasn't as electric as he's been in the past, but it was a, a it was a solid game on a day when a lot of players were very very well well below their best. Next player uh, will be interesting. James Warple, twenty nine disposals, eighteen kicks, eleven handballs, three marks, three tackles, uh, two behind. Uh, he twenty um, fourteen contested possessions. He had four turnovers, three intercept possessions. He had eight score involvements, uh, two goal assists, um, 575 metres gained, um, 19 pressure acts. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, 24 set about to tennis, so it makes him the clubhouse leader. Um, I've got some thoughts, but I want to hear yours first, Weezy. Well, I think a couple of other ones. I mean, he had seven inside 50s as well. So on a day where, you know, we struggled with delivery in into our forward line, um, he had, you, you mentioned the eight score involvements. His first quarter was magnificent. He certainly petered out in the second quarter, but in the third and fourth, I think he tried really hard. Um, so it's interesting because, you know, 29 touches asked to do a big role in the middle. Um, we clearly didn't win the midfield, but I thought he did well enough to give him a six and a half with a preface that I think there are clear elements to his game that he needs to work on because he had a couple of opportunities to run in and kick goals. I think, I don't think he kicked a goal. Um, no, it's it, two points. Two behind. So, you know, he had some opportunities running in. I think one was 50 out, one was about 45 out. Um, and I've got visions of that snap against Richmond where, last year where he was like 35 out and put it on the full and, Clearly, that's part of his game that he needs to work on. But I thought everything that we've asked of him for in in the off season, he's not quite there yet. But it was a much much better performance in terms of what we've been asking for. So I definitely think he's one of the six or seven I've got that gets a pass for today. What did you think, Ash? I thought he played well. I thought there were signs of uh, again. Faded away a bit, disappointed in the second quarter when Essen started to take control. But I thought that was, it reminded me a bit of the 2019 Warple today, industrious. And it's just, the evidence is clear that it was very hard to have him and Tom Mitchell in the same team. Not the same sort of player, 100% the same player, but it just found it difficult for him to find a groove in the side with Mitchell there. And I think the best thing for both players, it looks based on Friday night, the best thing for both, both players was that uh, Mitchell moved on. Um, you know, I thought there were signs there. Still, some decision making, still a bit scratchy at times in his disposal, uh, his in his skill level, his kicking in particular, just needs to go up a notch. But I just thought he's justious and worked hard, and, and there are signs. And uh, on a day when there wasn't a whole lot to be optimistic about, I saw signs from Warple today that he might get so that the twenty nineteen James Warple might still be out there somewhere. Daz, I mean, he's a pretty important player. So, do you want to have any thoughts on him before we move on? Yeah, he's super important, and um, I I wish wish that he like Weesey had got on the scoreboard because I think that separates you know the above average James Warple from uh, from the elite midfielder that we kind of need him to be right now. And um, he's still a work in progress, clearly. But there were some really wonderful moments, and I think that that clearance where he he, he kicked it out to I think Hardwick. Um, in that final quarter, there, there were just a few moments where you actually did see the warps of old of of the Peter Crimmins winning year. So um, I think it was I think that that game will do his confidence pretty pretty well. Okay, uh, as the final margin, that was fifty nine points. Not sure what it, what, what it might have been had this guy not played. James Sisley, thirty disposals, twenty two kicks, eight handballs, fifteen marks, a tackle, a behind. Uh, heat map shows 90% in the defensive half. No surprise there. Nine contested possessions, um, four turnovers, 10 intercept possessions, five score involvements, uh, um, six pressure acts, 435 metres gained. Uh, he was uh, in a pretty dark day. He was the clearly the defensive standout for the Hawks. Guys. From a performance point of view, absolutely. And um, I do shudder to think what the score would have been had Sis not been out there. I think any day where Sis gets over 30 touches, it's not a good day for the Hawks. Um, he was just, just repelling so many attacks and 
you know, doing what he does best. I think if I am going to give him a, a, a black mark today, it's 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 maybe in organizing the defense. And I know that's not solely his responsibility. And it's a it's a structural thing and it's a coaching thing, but the defense was just completely at sea. Um, and you know that that could also be a result of us losing the ball, you know, in transition. But from a def- defensive organizational point of view, um, we needed senior leadership at the back, and I, I and and I I, I I didn't see that from Sis. But as a, a performance, um, you know, he was clearly our best player on the ground. So seven and a half for me. Can I just point out on? Um... On Sis, I think it is actually worth noting. We really need to actually note this as it happens. There was one moment, uh, was it in the late in the third or maybe the last quarter, the fight that almost erupted over the boundary line. And it was an absolute moment where it was like, just like you're just thinking, just don't do it. Like we're getting smashed, just walk away. And on any other given day in previous years, like he would have kept going with that. And it was just one point that I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, maybe that is part of the, you know, that, that captaincy, I actually can't do anything stupid and go on with it. Maybe like uh, on any, do you know what, what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah, No, I have it in the, in the, in the Ford pocket, the, the, uh, the punt road end. Yeah. I did any, he walked away. I saw it. And I saw another sign one stage when they were, the ball was just coming down repeatedly, and he just basically uh, gestured to the midfielders and basically said, "Sort it out, <laughs> sort it out." So it was, uh, yeah, a, 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 a dirty day to be. I mean, he's captain the team before. A dirty day to be the official captain of the Hawks. Uh, did you give him a rating as you did? Yeah, I did. But oh, yeah. I mean, is it too much to expect of this to be a Luke Hodge style? organizer general back there i mean i I just i just feel like that defense it's been our strongest line and it was just completely structurally unsound and obviously that's a shared responsibility but i think if you know if 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 sissy's going to take that next step in his leadership career it's it organizing the back line is is really will fall on him so again not just sissy's problem but that that's my one one bad mark on him for the day. Ned Reeves had six touches. He had one took one mark. Eighty four percent defensive half. Sixty seven percent disposal efficiency. Um, let's scroll down to he had eighteen hitouts, um, seventeen centre bounce attempts, and thirty four ruck contests. Uh, thought I thought it was an ineffectual game. Sam Mitchell said the Rucks stood up all right in his post-game press conference. He was one aspect of the game he thought was okay. Weezy, do you agree? I can only assume he's just doing that purely based on the stats. Because if you look at the stats, he had um, 18 hitouts when Essendon combined had 20. Meek had 12. So he's had the same as the rest of the team. He's got more hitouts to advantage than anyone else or shared with Draper. He's got the highest... Um, hit out winning percentage, but that that's probably what Sammy's going by to try and put a positive spin on a reality, which was Reeves and Meek were ineffectual. If there was anyone that you felt had moments where they were geeing up their team or um, bigger moments, it was Draper. And again, if you look at his stats, he didn't do that much. So I think, you know, just just using your eyes and using your brains, you say, okay, one game down, still a long way to go in terms of um in terms of sorting out the best ruck forward combination and what that's gonna look like. Uh yeah, I, I think he'd barely get a pass. I, I'm giving him a four and a half out of ten. Sam Frost. Uh, he's going to polarise people this year, Sam Frost. 14 disposals, 7 kicks, 7 handballs, 5 marks, 2 tackles, uh, 79% disposal efficiency, 6 contested possessions, 3 turnovers, 8 intercept possessions, um, 203 uh, metres gained, 10 pressure acts. Uh, 
one stage you put in the WhatsApp, WhatsApp, we see, was it one of you put Frosty Ball? Yeah, what I think there was oh, oh, just Frostball that it was back. You know what? It was that moment where um, he wasn't sure what to do with it. He launched the torp. I think we were yeah. 20 meters out on the our defensive boundary, launched the torp, which went straight to an Essendon player who kicked over his head back into the goal square, back to his direct opponent, Wiedemann, who kicked the goal. And that was just like classic in the heat of the moment. He just banged it long. Um, but I think, Daz, is is he yours? Do you want to comment on, on your thoughts on, on Frosty? Yeah, I think um, straight away it's the old live by Frostball, die by Frostball in the WhatsApp, and he's never not going to be a polarising player. I thought he halved quite a few contests and actually competes really well, but the, the looseness in his game is concerning um, when you have a young developing backline and actually he just needs a steady hand and someone to show them how uh how to defend consistently and 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 not have brain fades and again like a bit of a whack on him too because he's the senior player in the back line and we were just all at sea all game in that department so um you know frost is is going to polarize people do i think he deserves us will maintain his spot i think he has to but just just given where every other player, you know, the DGBs are in, in terms of their development, but yeah, it was it was a you know, it was a four and a half game for me, unfortunately for Frost. Chankrot Jeff, number nine for Hawthorne, nineteen disposals, eleven picks, eight handballs, uh, three marks, one lovely goal on the run. That a goal when the Hawks were up and about, and it really brought the crowd to its feet. Um, 84% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions, two turnovers, three intercept possessions, uh, 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 435 metres gained, 11 pressure acts. We see CJ. Yeah, actually one of my mates that I was sitting with, uh, one of his observations was around, are we ever going to get the CJ that we saw a couple? Uh, one of the observations I had from one of my mates. Oh. Just start, start again because that froze. Yeah, I'll edit right. it. C, uh, CJ. Yeah, look, uh, one of the observations from one of the guys with me, uh, he, he asked me the question about whether or not we're going to get the full potential CJ from a couple of years ago when he was stringing games together and, I mean, he had 19 touches. I think, did you just mention that four of them were contested? So 15 uncontested. He had five clangers and two frees against. So he's giving the ball up half of the time he's, you know, he's winning it. Um, the goal was magnificent. Uh, I mean, if we're, uh, Daz, I'm not sure who's on gifting duties for the match report, but that's probably uh, one of the, the moments of the day. Um, so that was exciting, but you'd expect a hell of a lot more, um, especially across the halfback line when we're not getting much out of a Lockie Bramble and Jack Scrimshaw's not in the side uh, and the ball was down there a lot. Um, so I've given him a four and a half. Um, I thought CJ was fumb- a bit fumbly early and he was. It seems to be to be too anxious um, and there was a bit of perceived pressure when he, when he got the ball, but I think then he settled down for a while and, you know, he's sort of again like so many. He's sort of second half of the first quarter, but the second quarter he was terrific before fading. But um, he's one hopefully will be better for the run. Uh, number 10 for Hawthorne in his first game for the club after being presented with his jumper by Chance Bateman, which was a development a lot of us were very happy to see. Carlin on 20 disposals, 12 kicks, eight handballs, four marks, tackle, also a lovely running goal, which has been his sort of trademark. 80% disposal efficiency. Um, he had one turnover, one intercept possession, four score involvements, uh, 374 metres gained. Um, he went in for two set of bounces as well. Uh, I thought he was good early, but like so many, he disappeared for large parts of the game. Where's he? Oh, it's Daz. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think, um, you know, it was, it was a great debut goal a really really great debut goal and I was just wrapped for him and you know the the pre-match seeing the jumper presentation with with Chance Bateman I think that was wonderful and 
Uh, I don't want to be too harsh on him, but yeah, just completely faded out of that game to the point where I wasn't even really noticing him much at all. I think it'll take him a while to gel that forward line too. I think there were a few overhit passes into the forward 50 um, that he wouldn't ordinarily make, but, you know, that's just maybe him getting used to, um, you know, some new new teammates and some new structures and, and some new patterns. And I, I think he'll, I think he'll, he'll, he'll work his way well in, well into the season. So um, yeah, f- feel like it's unfair to give him too low a score. So I'm going to give him a five. Right. Connor Nash, who was the, uh, what they now call the tactical sub came on in the third quarter for Cozzy. We'll get to Cozzy shortly. 12 disposals in that time. Six and six, one mark, two tackles, uh, 67% disposal efficiency, four turnovers, two intercept possessions, six contested possessions he had, which is good. Um, three score involvements, uh, 145 metres gained. Um, he also went into eight centre bounces once on the ground. Uh, there's going to be... He's going to be a fascinating figure this year, Connor Nash, to see where he fits into the side because you think the recruitment of guys like Cooper Stevens was there to potentially go past him. And even Ned Long, who was the unused emergency today, didn't play for Box Hill earlier on. Um, we see Connor Nash. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And we know, I think we heard from Sam during the week that similar to a lot of other coaches, the tactical use of the sub or the theory around it initially is that uh, a running player is going to be used for fresh legs and and to bring another on-baller into the game as the game progresses, obviously notwithstanding an early injury like a Jeremy Howe or what have you. Um, Look, uh, I think he did okay. Like he wasn't brilliant. But he tried really hard, and I mean that's what we know we're going to get with Connor Nash. He worked really hard and tried really hard. He fumbled a few times and um, wasn't as clean as he potentially could have been. And I mean it's hard to really give him a fair rating given he didn't have much time in to play. I I feel like. Um, the issue for Nash this season in terms of what you just mentioned, like with the likes of Long and Stevens and want to develop them, Nash is the kind of guy that you'd need to have playing five, six, seven games in a row to see his development like we did at the end of a couple seasons ago. And if he's playing a sub role or in and out of the team, I don't know that we're going to see it. So um, I just wonder if with blooding some of those other kids that you mentioned, he's just going to end up being um, a depth player that plays a fair bit of box hill footy. Um, I gave him a four and a half, again, just purely on the game time that he played, but also uh, he was good without being inspiring. Will Day. 22 disposals, 12 and 10, eight marks, four tackles. His heat map's interesting, 55% um, defensive half, 45 offensive, but a lot of red in the middle of the ground. Um, disposal efficiency was at 73%, uh, two contested possessions, six turnovers, two intercept possessions. Um, he had um, eight cent bounce attendances as well, being another notable figure. Seven inside 50s as well. Um, first iteration of Will Day midfield. I thought he's, un, he's unremarkable as a midfielder, sort of at, at centre bounces today. I thought it's a nice Will Day type performances on the, the outside. I don't think it was one of his better games. Some people thought it was a, a positive. Uh, his game was positive today. Not quite sure. I see it myself, Daz. Yeah, I... I... I was, I think I'm in your camp a bit, Ash, but I did, I did see the beginning of Will Day, the midfielder, and and I think that's the big positive for me. It's that it's going to take him a while, I think, to to kind of work his way into that role, um, but definitely saw some great signs and um, the, you know the vision, and I think his ability to, I, I think he he was one of the players that really tried hard um, and really. You know, like he he was involved in the game for 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 most for most of it, which is more than you can say about a lot of the players out there. So definitely, Will Day is a work in progress. I think he was better on the outside for sure. I don't know 
how how good an inside midfielder he he's going to be or can be. But um, definitely a work in progress, and I'm going to give him a five and a half. Where is he? Yeah, I completely disagree with you guys. I actually think he was fantastic, and I would have had him in the top couple of Hawks players on the ground. I absolutely agree with what you're saying around his work on the outside. Um, and I feel like he's got a lot to improve when it comes to goal kicking. He had a number of shots or when he was running in and couldn't even make the distance, but he worked so hard. And this was his first game really out of the back line uh, away from being a halfback flanker. And I thought he worked bloody hard and was fantastic all day. I, I think he was just as good in the second, like, there weren't that many parts of the game where he faded into obscurity. I think he was consistent all day, which not many of our players were. Um, and in terms of the the path that he's on coming into the midfield, I think he was one of the, personally, I think he was one of the absolute shining lights today. I thought some of his decision-making going forward, his disposal for a centre was ordinary, but uh, good Polarizing discussion. This is good. This is what uh, we're all about here. Um, let's go with Dylan Moore. Uh, 20 disposals, 10 and 10. Nine marks, two tackles, 55-45 uh, in terms of defensively offensive. Seven contested possessions, 75% disposal efficiency, 13, uh, sorry, four turnovers, three intercept possessions. He had um, 163 metres gained and he was at Zero centre bounce attendance as well. This is what we thought about the new look Hawthorne was Dylan Moore's going to be part of the midfield rotation. Well, he certainly didn't play there in the midfield. I thought was, uh, you know, and we're, he's been so good. I mean, his last two seasons have been fantastic. I thought today was one of the less obtrusive games, to put it kindly, that he's played for some time. Daz? Oh, yeah, I thought, I thought it was a poor game from, from Moore. And maybe he set standards you know, that are, that are really high. He's had a really great run of run of footy, especially towards the end of last year. But I, I really did. I, I saw a lot of trying and I, I saw also a lot of chasing shadows and lost causes. Um, few contests that he would have won last year that he was, he, he, he lost a few one-on-one battles that he, 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 you would ordinarily think he'd win. So just, just a kind of typical. I mean, he played. He played a similar game, I think, in, against Essendon last year, um, or was it the year before, maybe, uh, where he just was anonymous and then kind of popped up there in the third quarter and changed the game. There's just none of that today, and, and for all the trying, um, I just, just don't think that he was really damaging at all. So, um, it's, it's a four for me for, for Dill, unfortunately. Blake Hardwick, number 15, fourth on seven disposals, 12 and five, nine marks, five tackles, two goals, uh, junk time goals. They still count. 69% defensive half uh, was thrown forward late as the Hawks tried to do something beautiful with their forward line. And we were reminded again that he uh, was a gun for forward at under 18 before moving to the AFL. Three contested possessions, 71% disposal efficiency, four turnovers, one in, intercept possession. Um... 318 metres gained. Uh, what do you make of Hardwick's game, Wesley? Uh, again, I think you've summed it up really, really well compared to what we've sort of been used to. Um, it was fairly uh, similar to Dylan Moore. It was somewhat uninspiring other than the move forward and kicking the goals. Like that was fantastic. But the reality is that, didn't really mean anything. Um, I feel like he got beaten a few times in one-on-ones. And, um, yeah, I know Daz wants to come off the long run to talk about our dysfunctional backline in general. Uh, there wasn't too much to like back there all day. And uh, I think he's in my boat of um, just just below a pass based on what his role's supposed to be. So I gave him a four and a half. Well, this is the whack on Sam Mitchell because I, I don't understand the point of moving Hardwick forward so early on in the piece. Um, you know, I think it was the third quarter where he's, he's up in the forward line. And what is, you know, the back lines at sea, they need structural 
um, someone to organize the defense. They've got structural issues. And Blake Hardwick, our, one of our most senior leaders back there, goes up forward for to what end? Uh, uh, was he trying to, do you think he was going to pinch the game or spark something? I just. No, his he attitude kicks. was, I can highly commend listening to the press conference if you can before you come on and do this uh, podcast. He uh, he did say that he didn't want to, he didn't want the game to finish without trying something, and so that was the uh, that was what they tried. So, and I mean that was uh, the moment, wasn't it? Because also you then had a look. I think at that point it might have been Josh Ward attended his first centre bounce and. Um, I'm trying to think of who the other midfielders were that started in there and you went, uh, okay, you look at the midfield setup, you look at Hardwick going forward, you look at some of the magnets moving and A, he's conceded and B, he's just trying a few things just for the hell of it. Don't know. I, I don't know. What, what do you think about that, Ash? So early, in, I mean, halfway through the third quarter in round one, I think the game was slipping away, so you had to try something. Because this clearly, you know, we're talking about Cosby without getting to him yet. The game was the forward line clearly wasn't working. It was a bit obvious early. The forward line was was dysfunctional and uh, and not clicking at all. So you try something. We've said all along the Hawthorne back line has got too many pieces, and that you know Scrimshaw didn't play today because they couldn't find a place for him. So maybe you throw things around. Maybe the the play for City next week is to play Hardwick as a forward and to play Spring Scrimshaw in to play in the back line. I mean, they've got all these, they've got too many parts for that back line. They've got to, they've got to, they have to rob Peter to pay Paul at some stage to try and get the team balanced right. So maybe it was with a view to, maybe it was a view to something that can work in the next little while. Um, so well, maybe I have no you problem. can, maybe you can save who Scrimshaw comes in for this next Blake's rating. <laughs> uh, the next one on the list. Uh, the next one on the list is: Did we give Jim a, a rating? Did I miss it? Ah, uh, yeah, four and a half. Four and a half. Uh, this next guy is going to frustrate me. Lockie Bramble, eight in disposals, twelve and six, eight marks, two tackles, eighty-six um, percent defensive half, seventy-two percent disposal efficiency, four contested possessions. Three turnovers, three possessions, uh, one score involvement, 278 metres gained. Um, I'm not seeing it at the moment. Who's up? Who's next? Daz. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not seeing it either. And you know, like I, I, I just always thought that him moving um, off off a half back line was just to to plug a hole. I think we had a few injury issues last year, and I always preferred him on the wing. I I prefer his run run and carry on the wing. I'd like to see him being played in that position, and yeah, he really was disappointing and fumbled and just made a lot of a lot of really bad decisions. And you know, I don't think a spell in the in in, in the twos is going to do him really much harm. To be honest, lucky. I think he's very early on in his development, and um, he's. I think there's a play there for sure, but. You know, it makes sense for, for someone like Scrimshaw to come in. It makes sense for Blake Hardwick to stay and do Blake Hardwick things where he's supposed to do Blake Hardwick things and bring Sam Butler in if you want to change things up in the forward line. So Bramble, I think, maybe maybe makes way next week because, yeah, on, on the evidence of that, he's still got a lot of work to do. Well, Harry Morrison might come in next week and he's the SCG specialist. He's always, always plays well there. So... It'll be uh, interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting because he's obviously one of Sam's soldiers, right? Uh, together with that Andy Collins connection. Uh, Andy Collins would be forever in his ear saying, "You got to play him. Got to play him." Well, I think his second half, because I remember at halftime going, it was either four or six touches he had in the first half. It might have been four touches. So he's finished. He's had a good second half stats wise with you know fourteen odd touches, um, and maybe that is what saves him. But yeah, at halftime. Uh, it was just a head shaking. You look down at the bottom of the stats table and go, we've got these four or five guys that haven't even gotten near it. And he was one of them. So and he's will... no good defensively. He, that, in, he, he's still, not, he's still a liability defensively. You know, he lost to me. He lost some contests and got lost a couple of times trying to defend. And it's just, yeah, I'm not, I said, I'm, yeah, I, I love the idea of Lockie Bramble 
you know, coming, you know, coming off the tools and becoming a decent AFL footballer. But right now, I'm not seeing it. And if we've talked about a lot of this year being a bit of an audition for who's going to be part of Hawthorne going forward, Bramble, I think, has a little bit of work to do. You got a rating for him? Three. Three? Yeah, I forget that right. Sorry, Lockie. Um, number 17, another debutante for the Hawks, at least at Hawthorne. It uh, was Lloyd Meek, uh, nine disposals, six, uh, uh, six uh, three and six. Six marks. He uh, 100% disposal efficiency. Uh, let's go scroll down to the key things for him. He had uh, 12 hitouts. He attended a 14 set of bounces and 30 ruck contests. How did you rate his debut in Brown and Gold, Lucy? I think I just cut and paste everything that I said about Ned Reeves. It's probably apt that I've got both the Ruckman tonight. Um, like there was nothing stand out about it. It was just, uh, it, it just was. In actual fact, I'd say there are probably a couple of moments where you saw the ball come up in a contest and maybe we've placed way too high expectations on him way too early, but just the thought of, oh, Meek's under it, like take a grab, take a big grab. You know, we had that from McAvoy. You could always rely on big boy coming in and taking a big grab when he needed to, not necessarily forward of the ball, but defensively as well. Um, And we just didn't get it. So again, I think it's, it's, Totally fine to go. We're round one into this new ruck combination. I'm going to pull out my four and a half, which seems to be my common theme for this pod, um, and move on to um, Daz's favourite, Peter Adams, next week. <laughs> so he's not uh, suspended for some off-field incident this week. <laughs> Number. 24th was Chad Wingard, 13 disposals, eight and five, three mark, one tackle, one goal, two, but a goal from the absolute top shelf that was the best goal he's kicked in his time at Hawthorne with the blind turn and the selling the candy and then absolutely bringing the entire Hawthorne section of the MCG to its feet. But it uh, dwindled that after that 46% disposal efficiency, five contested possessions. Um, he had three. T- Turnovers, zero intercept possessions, four score involvements, 303 metres gained. Uh, that is a tailored tape for Chad Wingard. I think a very frustrating day to be a forward at Hawthorne. I think when things were humming early, he looked great. When the uh, supply started to dry up and became more efficient going forward, he struggled as well. Uh, who's next, Daz? Yeah, and yes. I think... I think- it was a great goal, but it was a drop mark that he had to then work really hard and, and pull out some magic to kick that goal. And I think that was just the story of the day. It was just too many fumbles, drop, over-kicking it, over-cooking it, um, chasing lost causes. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm concerned uh, about, about Chad and I, I, I don't know if we'll ever really see a consistent um, run of footy from him. And uh, is he is he injured again? He, uh, according to the coach, it was just a he a cramped calf, and they thought yeah. the game was shot. There was no point, um, no point having him run around. He said, "Look, I can't play. He's got a, a cramped round one. He didn't seem to be overly perturbed by it." But uh, yeah, so he'll miss Wingard, next week. Wingard calf, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, for a month, um, and so so continues the Chad Wingard story at Hawthorne. Uh, four and all, all of those four for that one goal. My biggest concern, and I know it's one player at a time, but I've got to say something about about this because he had the thirteen touches, six effective disposals, so he went at forty six percent, and he was the one. He was the one that I reckon three times in the first half had the ball at half forward and was delivering it inside 50, kicking either directly to an Essendon opponent or to a three-on-one or four-on-two. And, yeah, sure, we'll get to Cozzy. That's a totally different story altogether. But 
Like he just has to do better with like, that's his role. That's his role is to give those balls on a platter to leading forwards. I reckon there's two or three times, especially in that period, Fergus Green was just ignored, ignored. And Chad was one of the biggest, um, the biggest liabilities when it came to that. So I think you're kind with that mark, Daz. It was just for the goal. It was. <laughs> yes, you get, you get to my mark. You get one point for the goal. Uh, number 22, Luke Bruce, um, 11 disposals, eight and three, five marks, two tackles, three goals, one. I think a couple of those was one of those was a garbage. I was at Richmond station by the time he kicked the last goal. I think, um, he, uh, three goals, one, he had 82% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions. Um, I thought, uh, 230 meters gained, well, it was not really his go that kick around the body. He missed that. He missed hit the top of the post, didn't the it? Top of the post. I don't know why. I know, and he's the he's one fine. You know, David Whedon, the kicking guru, thinks he's one of the best. You know, proponents of the you know the kick around the body, whatever it's called these days. But gee, it just looked at me like a routine drop punt from where I was sitting. And I was right behind that. Uh, incredibly frustrating. The Hawthorne had some momentum early. Missed a couple of gettable ones. They could have been out to a um, you know, they could have been out to a four or five goal lead uh, in the first quarter the way they were playing at one stage. It was just a. a a goal he should have kicked. Um, I just wonder, before I get you guys to rate him, what you know, what his mindset must be. You know, this is so far removed from the Hawthorne team he was a great player of in the mid middle of the last decade, and he, you know, he signed the contract and he's happy to stay on, and he's now vice captain. But geez, he'd be thinking days like today are a million miles from what he's used to. Yeah, I think that. Uh, I mean. It- won't have been a lot of fun, but I'm sure he set himself up for it, right? Like he's, he knows what he's signed up, up for for the next yeah. two or three I years. Know. So um, when it comes to his game, uh, I think on the general feel of things, did it feel like he had a direct impact? The answer is no. But if I said to you every other week that he had 11 touches, took five marks and kicked three goals, you say Bruce's role check well done move on to the next game so you know if he's doing that or kicking two goals a game he's getting his you know he's getting his 40 goals for the year and uh that's the sort of thing we're expecting from him so we just want him to be teaching some of the kids in the forward line and um yeah i think there's going to be worse days that he's going to have to survive through than today Mm -hmm. coming up Starvation corner today. And Mark, uh, rating? Uh, I'm giving him a five purely because, again, in terms of the number of touches, the number of marks, the number of goals expected on him in his position, he did it in a total dysfunctional forward line. So he gets okay. a pass. Justin, uh, Jacob Kaczynski, four disposals, three kicks, one handball, no marks, two tackles. What's a good tackle? Um, one behind. Um, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm not even going to assign it to, to one of you. Just word association. Where's he at? What do they do? Yeah, I mean, the zero marks is the stat line to look at. And I think we just... Uh, Feels like we're playing with one man less in the forward line, unfortunately, when the ball goes in his just area. Before you go on, I mean, the forward line, with mitigating circumstances in in terms of ordinary delivery into the forward line, we talked about Wingard and Day as a couple who's kicking the forward line today left a bit be desired. Does he, does, is that a mitigating factor? Well, there were instances where the ball was in his vicinity and he, he you know, wasn't bringing other players into it. He was flapping at it, dropping the usual marks that he should be taking, wasn't working hard enough up the ground to to win the footy, you know, four disposals, just wasn't involved. You know, if you're not if you're not getting good disposal if you're not getting uh good delivery in the forward line, work work hard. Work hard up the ground. Make make your own make your own luck. And he just didn't work hard enough. And 
it's he has to play there, unfortunately, for us because um, there's 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 you know Jack is injured and there's not a, not any direct replacements for him at the moment. So, but it is like playing with one less player, um, unfortunately for Cozzy. It's it's just not working. Oh, concrete hands, I think, is the term given to him in our little WhatsApp group, isn't it? Um, hands, yeah. Uh, look. It's really, really interesting that so early in the game, Sam Mitchell looked at it and went like, he just has to go. So is that the first step in the notion of his papers being stamped? Like in game one of the season, when did he come off in the third quarter? Not because he's injured, because he's literally, that's a good old fashioned dragging. So um, how many more opportunities before Mitchell goes, right, regardless of the fact that there is no one else, he's not the guy we're building it around. Now, that might not be the case and there might be other mitigating factors, but it's a very interesting watch this space. We won't dwell on him too much more because I think that'll be a really juicy talking point on Wednesday. And I'll give them the run of a team to talk about. We'll still be speculating on the spaces. So we'll hold fire on the Kaczynski discussion. I'm sure Brad and Prinzi We'll have Brad in particular have plenty to say. Um, I just want to say one more more thing though, and it was just the ease at which Essendon were able to take the ball out of the back line. And it's not just Cozzy's fault, but the fact that he very low on pressure acts, you know, obviously he had the one tackle, but you know, a handful of tackles and it just just that lack of going going for second balls or trying to get involved, I think that really hurt us. And it hurt us. It wasn't just Cozzy's fault. It was just that lack of pressure in the forward line. They just waltzed out of the back all game. And that forward line has got to be accountable for that. And Cozzy's, Cozzy's definitely one of the, the main main problems there. Put to me by someone uh, who knows their footy a bit, said in a text today saying during the game, saying he's a confidence player. And you can tell earlier with Cozzy, if he's if not on, he's not on. And... Uh, you could tell within the first 10 minutes, you could tell he wasn't on. So, And the Hawks were, as you were saying, playing with one hand tied behind their back for the rest of the day. Josh Ward, 26 disposals, 12 and 14, eight marks, four tackles behind. Maybe defensive half, 67%, 85% disposal efficiency, five contested possessions, four turnovers, one intercept possessions, seven score involvements, uh, 362 metres gained, 19 pressure acts, and the big eight centre bounce attendances, we see. Uh, so, so I will have a chat about him while I do Ash question without notice. Can you get me his uh, quarter by quarter stats breakdown for those twenty six, please? Um, I feel yes, uh, six, eight, three, and nine. Yeah, so um, I was going to say it felt like he had a lot to do in the last quarter, which is really promising in terms of um, games last year where there was certainly for him and Connor McDonald this notion of um, the tank running out. So that that's a big takeaway for me that he clearly um, got a lot of it in the last quarter. I think... Um, he was wonderful. Like, I feel like our midfield overall as a unit got smashed. And again, I talked about Will Day playing in the middle and we've still got uh, Connor McDonald to get to um, and Cam McKenzie to get to. Um, But I feel like, you know, he's part of, he's part of that future brigade that was on show and played really, really well. And um, together with those guys, the fact that we got a glimpse into what he's capable of is really, really exciting. So I gave him a six. I thought he was really good. Um, and hopefully he can keep building on it. I agree with everything you said. Uh, let's go to um, uh, Fergus Green, first gamer. Got the jumper from Pete Hudson today. Uh, lovely goal. His first goal, I think it was Hawthorne's first goal of the game. It was uh, a lovely piece of work, but six disposals. Uh, he had, uh, that's pretty much just six disposals and a goal. Not much else to say, really took two marks. Um, Fergus Green's first game, Daz. 
Yeah, look, I, I think when he kicked that goal, I, I thought, oh, he's 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 the barometer of this new team, and he's he and, and it did spark us into life, and he's got goal sense that you can't teach, and he's 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 got an eye for goal, and you saw it in the practice game against Collingwood, and you've seen the body of work in the VFL, and I think and I think he he faded out of the game pretty badly. I mean, the ball wasn't really coming up that end, but. You know, 20 pressure acts, he he tried hard. And I think one game he's just going to go nuts and kick, kick a bag. And uh, even though he, he kind of found it like every other forward um, in our team, but, you know, at least he he was really the one giving it a crack. So, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna be kind to Ferg and give him, oh, five. <laughs> just because it was his first game that's kind is it um yeah fascinating to see what happens uh i said i think we'll talk a lot more about it on wednesday night but uh, is there a way to make him the the, the the key forward we'll we'll explore um probably the bright spot for the day was this after watching harry sheasel carve him up for 35 Disposals in a magnificent or 34 in a magnificent first game for North Melbourne. This is Harry Sheasel, diehard Hawthorne supporter until six months ago. Um, thinking, well, let's hope Cam McKenzie does something to make us feel less bad about losing Harry Sheasel to North Melbourne. And I thought McKenzie, a very promising debut. 18 disposals, 13 kicks, five handballs, four marks, three tackles. He went at 83% disposal efficiency. He had nine contested possessions. Um, he had uh, came on the ground having started on the bench. And he did a couple of nice things early that he thought actually settled the team down a little bit. So uh, on a dismal dark day for the footy club, this was a really promising debut. Yeah, I think um, I think that... Uh, I was just actually looking back through some of my messages then from early in the first quarter, and there are a few expletives, uh, but in a good way, directly attributable to him. Um, I think he had seven for the first quarter, so it just goes to show that he really faded out as the game went on, and um, that's somewhat to be expected when, unlike Harry Sheasel, I guess you're you're winning the ball at the coal face sort of where it matters and not playing the Nick Dacos behind the ball type role uh, where you don't have to get the contested footy. Um, but boy, that was exciting seeing what he could do with it, seeing his composure, seeing like his sideways movement when he had the ball. Um, he actually, I think it it's obviously been mentioned before, but the 28, um, smaller guy, blonde little mop of hair, remind you much of someone else. Like he looked like <laughs> he looked like the 28 Sam Mitchell from early days. Like he he just looks like he fits in and it's really, really exciting. He's gonna be part of this um this build and this contingent and the unfortunate thing again is that we just have to be patient. He's got to get 60, 70 games of footy into him and that's going to take a few years and his body's got to develop and mature. But what he's got, boy, like it's it's something to get very, very excited about. Um, again, he faded, but from what we saw, I'm giving him a seven and a half on debut. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, he was, he, he was terrific. I think he, yeah. Uh... And we said this to Josh Ward last year. He ended up playing a couple of games at Box Hill because I think it was on his way back from uh, concussion. I think it must have also been a bit of a correction at one stage. But I just can't imagine Mackenzie playing a lot of games at Box Hill this year. I just think he's just plug in and play. Straight in. Again, like we heard from um, Rob McCartney. We've heard from Sam Mitchell. We know what needs to be done. We've got to get these guys playing footy together, playing 70, 80, 90 to 100 games together, which is the the model for how many games you've got to be averaging to win a premiership. He's just got to get the games under his belt. And there isn't even a question. We've seen one game of football from him. There isn't even a question mark over his ability or his ability to do it with bigger bodies around him 
because because that's what he did in the first quarter. So I totally agree. Unless there's a couple of games where he's rested, um, potential injuries in, in terms of his body um, getting used to um, the loads throughout the year, he should be playing 17 to 20 matches this season with his eyes closed. I wonder if um, Mitchell will make the same move that that Clarko and, and McRae have done and, and put him put him half back. Get him, get him making some, uh, you know, a few cheap possessions, maybe some kick-ins, just play that sort of quarterback role because he's got the vision. Um, and he's, it, oh, look, he was pretty damaging when he was uh, putting it into the Ford 50, I have to say. It was great. I don't, I don't agree. I'm just playing midfield. I think that's where it absolutely belongs. And the, the midfield's better. Functions equally well with him there. So just let him play there. Connor McDonald, um, Where's number 30 and fourth? We have three players to go. He had 20 disposal, 15 and five, 11 marks, a tackle, a goal, uh, 50% disposal efficiency, three contested possessions, uh, four turnovers, one intercept possession, um, 345 metres gained, three centre bounce attendances. I thought a fairly unobtrusive game from uh, CMAC today. What do you think? Uh, I, I mean, I'm glad that we've got a few different points of contention. It'll be interesting to hear what our listeners think. I thought he was really, really good. I thought he came into it as the game went on. He managed to get into space. He generally um, used the ball pretty well. Um, uh, having said that, I think effective disposals, what what would he have gone at? Maybe 55% or something like that. 11 marks shows that even though a lot of his... Posies were uncontested. He was prepared to run and make space. Not great. Right. Well, that's obviously not ideal. So maybe take some shine off the comments. I just thought, again, in a game where so many of our players were not noticeable, especially some of our senior players that we've, we've already been through, or guys you'd expect more from, I thought it was another good game under the belt. Um, and that, again, as part of that core young midfield component because I reckon he he will have the chance to play through the midfield at some point in the future um, that he was good and I gave him a six. All right. Um, now, I'll just want to do a bit of um, – I want to talk about Finn McGuinness who had 12 um, disposals, played a tagging role on the incident skipper Zach Merritt. Uh, 12 disposals, 9-3, 6 marks, a tackle. Um, Mitchell said that he didn't take him for the whole game, I think, because Merritt got off the chain a bit in the second half. It was, they had 7 till half-time Merritt, and I think they did they had to change things up a bit in the second half, whereas McGinnis had a slight, again, trying to change things and get try and get the game back on Hawthorne's terms, which didn't really work. But certainly, um, Finn did his work the first half has, uh, did a very good job on, on merit. Does yeah, I mean, like one of the one of, if not the best, run with player in the AFL. You released the tag though, and you know what? What was he doing? A, a couple of nice, okay things, but merit then gets off the chain, and you know they they roll away to a huge victory. So great on the great as a tagger, but. You know, I think that that game kind of showed his his. Uh, he just needs a few more strings to his bow um, if he's going to really make it at this level. Um, but you know, I, th- I think he's a he's a weapon when when he's used in the correct way for sure. So um, great first half, and and I think he deserves a five just for playing so well and merit keeping him completely ineffectual in that first half. And finally, James Blank, he had seven disposals, three marks for handballs. He had three marks, mainly defensive at half, as we know, 86% disposal efficiency. Um, he had, yeah, that's probably 55 minutes game. It's not all that much. Um, two tackles. How did you think he went? Was he on Wiedemann? How did the, the matchup go? Wiedemann looked very dangerous early. Thought he was going to be the Callum Brown of the game. Well, he's a bit better player than Callum Brown, um, which we'll explain on the spaces 
the Callum Brown Award, what that's going to be this year uh, uh, for this season for Hawthorne. Um, how did Blank go, Lucy? I think they did a fair bit of rotation, and actually there was that there was that spell where I reckon Wiedemann had three shots at goal in in like three minutes and kicked a couple of them, and I think Sam Frost was directly on him at that point. Um, so, uh, I mean, he had the most spoils for us with with five spoils, which is obviously his role. You want to see that fist come in, but um, yeah, I mean, again. Oh, I'd give him a mark based on how our whole defensive team went, and that's not very well. And um, I mean, without even without even looking at it, marks inside fifty. I imagine we got smashed, and they would have had plenty, which was a, which resulted in a lot of their goals, right? So um, between Frost and Sicily and Blank, um, they're the guys that need to be punching it and clearing it and Essendon had plenty of opportunities. So, um, yeah. 16-8 marks inside 50. So double the marks inside 50. Um, I think maybe till even till halfway through the second quarter, we'd had maybe one. So, and that was having dominated the first quarter. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'll give him, I'll give him a four, but, also preface that with I think I wrote in our preseason some of our or our preseason discussion. It was one of your questions without notice, Ash, on uh, one of the spaces around who's the guy you just cannot drop no matter what all season that needs to play every single game, regardless of how they go. He's all we've got, really. He's all we've got, and and he's obviously young enough and still growing and still building, and yeah, onto uh, onto Buddy. No, Buddy's not playing. Buddy's uh, not playing. To uh, is that confirmed, is it? Yeah, you got to watch. Uh, on to Logan McDonald. Yeah. I'd bring back Granger Barris with Logan McDonald. Uh, his old buddy from... Uh, Sparring Perth. partner. He's, he's been up all the time in Waffle Footy back in the day. McLean um, as well. So, I mean, he'll have a he'll yeah. have a role next week. The coach? Oh, I mean, he was just so totally outcoached today, Mitchell. I really, you know, the experimentation, you, 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 you kind of understand it on one level, but another level, you just scratch your head because uh, they just looked like struct- a structural mess. You know, like I, I can handle a young midfield getting beaten and, um, and, and they were at times, but other times they looked really good. But the, the forward line and the back line were absolute messes. And there were times where we were just... They just out of the back. I couldn't see the structure. I couldn't see running patterns. I couldn't really see any strategy behind the way that he tackled the game today. And he just had to go back to basics and play one-on-one footy in the second half. And he was sticking to some kind of weird structure that was just not working. So uh, it's a two for me for Mitchell. And I think, um, uh, you know, he's 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 going to have to really look at himself and 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 think how he's he wants to play out the season. Um, and if it's sticking to a, a plan, a long term plan, great. But a long term plan doesn't involve bringing Blake Hardwick into the forward line in the third quarter. That's just reckless experimentation, and it gets us nowhere. So that's my Sam mutual whack. And can't hear what you guys think, but yeah, I thought he got a horror. They had no way of handling Essen's transition game. And uh, that was disappointing. Essen just moved the ball all over the ground as they as they wished. And they won't be able to do it against better teams, but they carved Hawthorne up in that part today. That was that disappointing. And uh, it was obviously doing it within 10 minutes. Of clear they were doing it, and Hawthorne had no real strategy to stop it. So whether that's inexperience, I don't know. But uh, that was to be disappointing. Now, Mitchell's coached so well, didn't coach particularly well today. Um but I think, you know, collectively, the whole team was bad. And I think that the players and the coaching staff, and uh, he sounded very disappointed in, in the post game. I think, you know, he said there's, there's going to be ups and downs, but there was too much. Uh, there wasn't a lot to like about this game, and they were well below even the expectations of a, of a rebuilding team today. So disappointed to play another sticker again against Essendon on such a big case. 68,000 people, it was a very good crowd. Um, 
you know, and I've uh, put on Twitter before that uh, the AFL really should make this an MCG game. That, that, that Hawthorne Essen rivalry doesn't get the respect it deserves, I don't think, in the AFL. This is only at the MCG because Hawthorne requested it be so. Um, they usually stick it at Marvel, but I think the supporters generally enjoy the games against each other, and certainly Essen supporters were dancing in the aisles while the third quarter was in front of me on uh, today. But uh, they enjoy Hawthorne games against the MC- They enjoy Hawthorne S and the MCG. It's where the game belongs. So that's my little editorial. Yeah, I hope that they enjoyed that grand final win. Uh, Give them the cup get now. Much better. It's not going to get much better for them this year because they're not a great side. So they're not a great side, but they uh, they had a good day out today. The top of the ladder, and Hawthorne's won the ladder. Now, the disappointing thing about today, and we'll talk about this morning, Wednesday, Wednesday night, is that. We like to think the Hawks are a bit better than uh, than people say they are. But today was the Hawthorne. Everyone thinks that most commentators think it's going to be Hawthorne for the year. And in spite of the fact that we know what the team's going through, it's going to be a very long, slow year if they can dish up that sort of dross for most of it. Especially, I mean, we've got Sydney and Sydney next week. And then, I mean, North looks... Good I enough. saw Northern Saturday. They'll that, beat Hawthorne. They'll beat Hawthorne. The way we lose that them. and go into Easter Monday, yeah. you know, potentially into gather round in Adelaide at zero and four. And then it's all well and good for us all to think we're better than the media think we are. But when you're zero and four and you've already lost to Essendon and North Melbourne, then maybe we're not better than we think we are. So let's just see how we. Well, at, Back up next week. Uh, well, the hallmark of the team last year was they didn't play two. They didn't win games in a row, but they really rarely played two bad games in a row. They always backed up after a shocker the next week. So you'd want at least they're not. They won't be, be beating the Swans in Sydney, but you'd want them to be super competitive next week. I just want to see a response, and I think um, you know you can handle skills not being up to scratch and a bit you know nervy fumbling and. But I, I, what I saw was a team, one team that was just outworking the other. And there's a reason why they transitioned so well out of the back and, and through the ground is because they had, it seemed like they had an extra player all, all day. And I think that's a that's a work rate issue. And I think that's something that that um, the coaching staff really needs to take a look at because the effort, I don't think was there from uh, the vast majority of that list. Yeah, a disappointing, dirty day. And probably the best note to leave it on. So uh, thank you for listening to the first of our recaps for the season. Hopefully they'll be more cheerful. I'll beat them. This one time. We found plenty to talk about. I think we're all uh, you know, coming off a long run after a disappointing day in the long summer. Um, rosy days ahead, let's hope. Uh, our review article will be up probably late tomorrow or Tuesday morning, more than likely, um, and more great content on the Substack over the course of the year. And don't forget our Twitter spaces, the Wednesday night, our safe space, Wednesday nights while it is Thursday night footy. So we've got another four or five weeks of Wednesday spaces to go. Um, thank you everyone for your support of, as always, of Hawks Insiders. Um, anything else I've missed before we finish, boys? No, I think we're all done. I think we're all spent. Time some uh, streaming TV, I think, and to forget about footy for all that sleeping time, I think, for... Uh, couple of my colleagues here thanks for listening everyone we'll talk to you on the spaces wednesday night and uh check out uh all the great content on the subject talk to you soon bye thanks so much for listening to hawks insiders head to our Substack for more quality analysis special features news interviews and so much more